Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Lauren McClain. What's up, everyone? So happy to be here with you. Pioneers have been on our minds this week, mainly because the state of Utah celebrates Pioneer Day on July 24th each year. But today, we're talking about the pioneers of BYU athletics. And today's guest has definitely paved the way when it comes to BYU women's sports. 1995, that was the first time the BYU women's soccer team played a match as an NCAA Division I member. That same year, DVDs were invented. Michael Jordan unretired the first time around. And the two most popular websites, uh, search engines were Excite and Alta Vista. Lavelle Edwards was also still the coach of BYU's football team. So a lot has changed since then. But Jennifer Rockwood has been the Cougars soccer coach in each of those seasons. Coach Rockwood is now ready to officially start her 27th season as BYU's bench boss. And she truly is a pioneer of women's soccer. So thank you so much for being here with me today, Jen. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So how's your summer been so far? You mentioned you are just dying in the heat. Yeah. (laughs) Doing camps. Yeah. um, About a month ago, I realized that I really haven't had a summer in about 30 years. Um, But it's it's a good situation. Obviously, we get to run soccer camps all summer, uh, and we have so many kids who want to come and be a part of it that, you know, that's what we do. pretty much every week in June and every week in July, and then we start right into our season. So just finishing up a great season of summer soccer camps this week. So one of these days you'll be able to have a fun summer. So have you been planning that out in your brain? Yeah. Like, well, this is what I'm going to do, ABCD. I'm going yeah. to Hawaii. I'm going Exactly. To- it didn't really hit me like, wow, I never have a summer. I just work all summer um, until just, like I said, a month ago because it's just what I do. I don't know anything yeah. different. And, you know, we love doing camps. We, we, it's where we find our future players without a doubt. So it's always exciting. It's a lot of work. But, you know, most of the time it's a lot of fun if we can survive the heat. And it just goes so fast because you're so busy yeah. every day. Like, I cannot believe it's the end of July. It feels like we just maybe barely started camps. Mm. And you're Really mm-hmm. close to starting your season. Which is yes, crazy. we are. So we'll start in less than two weeks now. Oh, my gosh. August 1st is the big day. All right. Well, let's go back to the 80s, shall okay. we? Uh, you I didn't even know if they had cell phones back then. <laughs> they didn't. No. I don't think they did. No, because I remember driving cars around with maps on the steering wheel. <laughs> Super to, safe. Yeah, we used to travel by, you know, vans. Oh, my gosh. Back in the days. You no know. one wore seatbelts. No one. No. Uh-uh. I remember as a player driving the back of a station wagon oh and three of us would sit with our feet out the back window, <laughs> you know, and the seats turned backwards. And got the boom box and the good old days, you know. Oh, those were the good old the days. The good old days. You played for BYU's club soccer program mm-hmm. before becoming a coach. You mentioned, so you were a player for four years, immediately became a coach. Mm-hmm. The next fall. The next next fall. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then a coach for six years before you became a division one program. What was BYU soccer like back in the eighties? Women's soccer wasn't that big, obviously. Your title nine back in the early nineties, or I don't actually know when it started, but obviously that really helped mm-hmm. a lot of sports, especially women's soccer. But I remember I came out here, I grew up in Portland, Oregon, and it wasn't soccer wasn't even in the high schools here yet in Utah. So wow. it was a very new sport. There was a club team at BYU, but I remember coming in and thinking, not a lot of experience uh, here. Yeah. And because I had the opportunity to grow up in, in Portland and it was soccer was big there. Okay. And I didn't have to play on a boys team. There were actually girls teams and girls leagues. And it was big in the high school and ODP. So I was a little surprised when I came to BYU, the club team, most, a lot of them were Utah kids. And and um, 
you know, it, but every year, you know, every year we, we got a little bit better. And, uh, you know, that's where I made my best friend in college. Mm. So uh, have great memories. I don't know that we played great soccer, uh, <laughs> but we had a lot of fun. And, you know, it was kind of the building blocks for, for what came after that. And um, so I feel blessed to kind of have been a part of it. Certainly never saw what I'm doing now in my future, especially back then. Right. It came quickly, though. It, it came really quick. And... You know, sometimes you're in the right place at the right time, and I know that was a big part of why I was why I was given the opportunity. But um, you know, it was a really, really new sport here in the state, and obviously the university really didn't know much about it at all. I heard you had a scholarship to Ricks College, mm-hmm. but chose to go to BYU instead, right? Well, I'd always planned on going to BYU originally, but then I did get an offer uh, to have a scholarship to go play basketball. And, you know, I played basketball in high school and I actually always wanted to play BYU basketball, but just wasn't quite good enough. Mm. My, My best sports were like soccer and softball. So, you know, I had a chance to go to Rick's. I had some friends that were going to go there. You know, I got some money to help, you know, with my schooling. So I thought, you know, I'll go up there and give it a try. And I had a great year. It was a little cold for me. Um, (laughs) And I I missed playing soccer. And um, I knew I was going to eventually end up at BYU after the next year. So I actually just played there a year Mm. and then came to BYU my sophomore year. I didn't know you played all those sports. That's really cool. Yeah. You know, back in the day, you didn't have to specialize. You know, I was kind of a good athlete. I wasn't an awesome, but I was good in in most things, you know, in in sports back then. And these days, uh, you really have to specialize from a very small age. But I had the chance to play. I did four sports in high school. And um, yeah, it was fun. I love that. So you, uh, as soon as you were done being a player, you became the coach. You mentioned Mm -hmm. before that you were coaching some of your best friends, which was kind of strange. Mm -hmm. How did that all come about? Well, when I played here, you know, it was extramural sport. It was something like I had three different coaches in the four years I was here. And by my junior year, I, I guess I was kind of bossing people around, you know, as a <laughs> captain and, and helping with the administrative side because we didn't have a real coach that was kind of all in. And I remember my senior year, I had to go talk to one of my friends that coached the high school boys team and ask him if he would come and coach at BYU wow. for my senior year. So we weren't really... Yeah, we were there, um, but no one really cared about us. Yeah, you're and thrown so, together a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and so those of us who really, you know, wanted to make it as much as we could, we took charge of that. So I actually, you know, was involved in some of the scheduling as a junior and senior oh there, and working with facilities. You know, they didn't really have a place for us, so we had to kind of find our places to practice and and all of that. And so I think because I was familiar with that, the extramural director. Uh, back then was Raleigh Bester. And I remember him calling me in and saying, you know, you've done this. Would you be interested in staying on as the coach? And I would never have agreed to do it, but I had actually coached high school the year before. So I had a little bit of experience coaching, not much, but at least a full year of high school coaching. And I felt, you know what, Uh, might as well give it a shot. And so I stayed uh, and started teaching at a private school. And uh, my first place was Waterford. It was down here in Provo before it moved up to Sandy. So yeah, just kind of like I said, right place, the right time and and a right opportunity. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I had a chance to now coach at BYU and work, uh, teach at at a local private school. So it worked out. It has to be one of those things that was meant to be for you yeah. to be here that many years later. Just and you're yeah. such an incredible coach. But it wasn't until 1995, as we mentioned before, that you guys became mm-hmm. a Division One program, part of the the NCAA organization. What were you hoping for those first few years in the NCAA? 
Because that's, I mean, mm-hmm. like you said, beginning, you're kind of thrown together. Right. You're thrown as the coach. And now all of a sudden it's like, okay, now you're a legit program. Good luck. What yeah. were you hoping for? For those six years that I coached the club team, you know, there was kind of always through the administration like, hey, we think you're going to get sanctioned. I mean, Title IX, like I said, was was growing and building and, and more universities were adding women's soccer. So, you know, I never thought that I would be a professional coach. I was, you know, a business major and I was teaching and uh, I, I figured I'd be coaching, but not not like for like my real job. Right. 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 <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. But we just tried to get the club team prepared for the next level for if and when they decided. And so we had six years and every year we got better. And that last year, I remember Elaine Michaelis and, and Lou Wallace um, gave me an opportunity to, to start my first recruiting trip. So this was they knew it was going to happen. It hadn't been officially announced. And so we were preparing for them to add it in 95. And because our club team continued to get better and better each year, we, we actually had pretty good experienced players. And I kept that entire club roster and just added some new recruits to it. So that gave us, I think, an edge over a lot of D1 programs that were starting really from scratch. Right. Where we already had a roster of experienced players that had already played together. And I think, uh, you know, us in Florida that year in 95 uh, did the best for Division One teams that year, first-year programs. What was recruiting like for you? Because you mentioned, especially here in Utah, there was hardly anything. But, I mean, I guess that was a, a few years later. But what was recruiting mm-hmm. like those first few years? Yeah, it was, you know, certainly new and a challenge. It's nothing like it is now. I mean, I think in every Division One sport, recruiting's... You know, let's be honest, right. it's a little out of control right now. Um, but, you know, obviously as a coach, recruiting is one of the bigger parts of your job. It doesn't matter how good of a coach you are. If you don't yeah. have the right players and good players, you're not going to be successful. So uh, I back in those days, I had to spend a lot of time on the road um, traveling and evaluating and watching players play and running camps during the summertime like we still use today. But, uh, you know, we're fortunate that BYU is such a unique place. We have a unique niche. And so our goal really back then was to find the top LDS kids in the country Mm -hmm. who would have an interest in coming to BYU. And we had such great success early that that still continues to be our our kind of recruiting philosophy. We haven't moved too far from it because it's worked for us. We've been successful with it, with it, and we have found plenty of great LDS kids to come into the program and, and play at the highest level. So cool. You finished third place in the WAC in that first season, mm-hmm. which is incredible to do. You had All-American Shauna Robach on the team. Mm-hmm. What impact did she have yeah. to help you guys be able to accomplish what you did? A huge impact. I mean, I, I remember Shauna could have gone to Clemson, and Clemson had – had a little bit longer program in history, but she grew up right here in Orem. And, um, you know, being a member, I think she she was interested in staying close to home uh, for sure. And then uh, also, you know, playing and representing BYU. And, you know, Shauna was ahead of her time athletically for women. I mean, I, I've seen our athletes continue every year to just become more and more athletic. I mean, it's amazing how women have grown athletically and developed with their speed and their strength and their quickness and soccer ability. But Shauna was a league in a league of her own athletically. And back then, I mean, she could just go right by people. She scored mm. so many goals. She was a huge part of our success in those early years because she was so strong, so fast. And back then, teams weren't organized or experienced enough to even try and slow her down. That's so crazy. I I feel like given the opportunity, obviously the more and more opportunity that these women get, obviously mm-hmm. the more athletic they're going to become, yep. right, which mm-hmm. is so incredible. You won 22 games your second season, mm-hmm. which is amazing. 
you just kept having success. Has it been, was it easy for you to stay at BYU? Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Because the program, you were just building it and it was having more and more success. Was that easy for you to stay? Yeah, originally, because I remember when I first, the first year, you know, I thought I'd done the club thing and, you know, I was I was kind of used to coaching. But then it turns Division One, it's a whole different level, yeah. a whole different pressure and expectation. And and so that kind of obviously made me super uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but I figured that, again, it, it didn't make a lot of sense that I got the job, uh, but being at the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Soccer was so new in the States, so new to BYU. I had been around. I was cheap. You know, I think they gave me a chance, <laughs> yeah. right? They gave me a chance. And I just tried to do the best I could and, and ended up uh, surrounding myself with people that really helped and supported. And, you know, Chris Watkins came in right at that second year. And and I remember going 22-1. and one. We were ranked 15th in the country in our second year. And I remember uh, winning the conference thinking, oh, my goodness, we're going to go to the NCAA tournament. We didn't. Back then, they, right. they only had 48 teams, and, and our conference didn't have an automatic qualifier mm. uh, back then. But, you know, just that's all you can do in anything, really, is just right. really try and do your best. I mean, I had so much to learn. I, I watched every back then uh, videotape, not even DVD. <laughs> back then, just bought so many DVD coaching tapes, leadership tapes, books, listened uh, and watched anything Anson Dorrance from UNC back in those days. Mm-hmm. He was the full women's national team coach and just tried to surround myself with people and information that would help me just be my best and just tried to get better each year. Don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to have more BYU women's soccer head coach Jennifer Rockwood. This is Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back to Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean. We're speaking with BYU women's head soccer coach Jennifer Rockwood today. She's a true pioneer in women's sports. You did everything you could and you had the drive. Mm -hmm. At what point in your career were you like, BYU is a soccer powerhouse? Because you are. The Mm -hmm. women's soccer program, it's year in and year out. It is a powerhouse. Was there a moment in your career where you're like, whoa, like, we're, we're here. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to pinpoint an actual year for me. Um, I, I think it came a lot longer, even though we had been to the elite. We got to the Elite Eight 2003. You know, we had been ranked from an early stage on. But I, but I felt like because maybe the conference we were in, we weren't playing the best teams. Yeah. And so it was hard to really know how good we were. And so I remember, you know, I don't even remember what year, but Chris and I were talking and thinking, you know, let's just go for it. Let's just try and play some of these bigger teams and see how things go. And I know a lot of it was making our players believe because we had a lot of Utah kids who are like, oh, we're going to go play Texas, you know. Yeah. And it was like, Tex- they're Texas. We're just, you know, Utah teams, right. uh, players. And and I think overcoming that and having some success every year, adding to that strength of schedule. And now all of a sudden we are playing better teams. And I feel like when we moved to the WCC, it provided some more legitimacy to where we were at what level. Going into a conference with Santa Clara and Portland, who were two top teams right. year in, year out, and going in there and having the success we did. Uh, I think for me, that's probably when I realized that, you know, this is a program that can compete with anyone in the country. And that's what we tried to do. 
when you exude that year in and year <laughs> out, and I feel like that's what draws some of the best players mm-hmm. in is that's yeah. the expectation. Like we are the best. Absolutely, and and that's what you need. You you need um you need that expectation set. And uh, you know, in, in looking back, there's been so many times where we've been so close to breaking through to that final four. We'd been ranked in the top five, and you know we've been to the Sweet Sixteen, mm-hmm. Sweet Sixteen, been to the Elite Eight. Couldn't quite get over that edge until just this last season. But a lot of that, again, is I think the the girls and the team finally believe that, hey, we can do it. We belong there. And what a season that was. It mm-hmm. was so incredible to follow and watch. And BYU soccer always has, BYU women's soccer always mm-hmm. has a lot of fans. Mm-hmm. But last year yeah. was just incredible. It was mm-hmm. so fun. Even even bandwagon fans, you know, yeah. like, join in. <laughs> sure, we've been here all along, but yes, go ahead. Come on. Yeah. When you look back at last year's season, and when it came to that end, it was so incredible. What What are those emotions like for you? What was it like for you then, looking back at that season? Um, I think just a lot of pride in what we'd accomplished. The pride of, you know, what the staff was able to accomplish and what the players were able to accomplish and how we did it. Yeah. What was really fun is everybody we would run into, even fellow coaches and stuff, just really seemed to appreciate our style of play and how hard the girls played. Yeah. You know, and it, it was fun to watch. It was enjoyable, exciting, high-energy soccer to watch. And, you know, that's something that we really aspired to do. And I think just the the going that through the ups and downs of the seasons and anything like that never comes easy. And when you're in it, you're just trying to prepare for the next game. So I think when we were there, it was really hard to appreciate how awesome it was because it was just another game. But then kind of looking back and after it was done, it was pretty amazing. Um, Just lots of emotions. Lots of alumni came and the support that we had from the university, just from our fans, from Cougar Nation. Plus, we were a bit of an underdog playing Florida State. So I think any normal average soccer fans, you know, you kind of cheer for the underdog. So (laughs) I I think that was fun. We're not not normally an underdog in most of our matches, but against Florida (laughs) State, I think we were. Um, But yeah, just what a ride it was. and just proud of uh, of the group and the coaching staff and, and especially our seniors who really kind of led the way for us. Uh, Michaela Coulihan, incredible mm-hmm. player. You've coached hundreds, hundreds of players. Mm-hmm. Maybe, are you getting close to thousands? No, maybe? no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, no, 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 no. You, you've coached so many players mm-hmm. and some of the, the best in the country right now. Mm-hmm. You have Ashley Hatch and yeah. who's doing incredible things. What do not just those players, but what what do all these players mean to you when you when you see them? They bring their kids, like mm-hmm. you said. You you've coached some players now. They're you've coached their daughters <laughs> as well. What's that mm-hmm. like for you? It's kind of hard to explain, but it it's sometimes it's a little overwhelming. But it's just um, it's just amazing. I mean, I just I really can't believe the opportunities I've had over the years and and the experiences, uh, the relationships that I've been able to build and and maintain and. And, you know, being here, kind of only being the coach, I have a pretty good connection with all the alumni. And, you know, especially during the summer when they all bring their kids uh, to camp. Um, (laughs) That's pretty cool, too. Um, But just it's amazing to see them and what they're doing with their families and and coaching their kids a lot and how they're still so vested in the program. It's really fun. It's just an honor to kind of be a part of it all. How would you say this year's team is different from last year's? I'm assuming... You guys obviously set a really high goal last year and you got really, really far. That's yeah. got to be really interesting mm-hmm. for these returning players. Like, okay, well, how do we top that? But yeah. but how is this team different than last season's team? Well, um, last season we had 
a really tremendous amount of experience, right, with um, especially through COVID. You know, it's interesting looking back with all the hard times that COVID brought. Uh, it also allowed us to have our seniors for an extra year. Yeah. And so had we not had to go through that whole COVID mess, uh, we might not have had this season. Right. And so to be led by by our six seniors it was pretty special. They just had a ton of experience. And obviously, the impact that Kayla had and Cam had. Kayla, I think, was a leading scorer in the country last year. You know, Cam was right there, uh, right. both All-Americans. Um, you had Cass, uh, who who had an amazing run in the NCAA tournament in goal in her seventh season with a dislocated shoulder oh that you didn't know when it was going to pop out. And that was a lot. And as you think, wow, you take away those kids, you take away four major starters, you know, that's a lot to replace. And it is. But at the same time, we had seven, we have seven returning starters from that group. And so that's quite a lot of experience. We will shuffle some people around now in some different positions. Jamie, who's one of our top returning players, will step up into Kayla's spot. Liv Wade, who was playing a bit out of Mm -hmm. position, will step into Jamie's slot. Mm -hmm. And even though we lost our two seniors starting forwards, we have Bella and Rachel that are ready to go. And even though they didn't start every game for us, I think you could consider them starters as the impact they've had last year and the amount of goals that they're able to score. So, um, you know, I really feel like we have have a lot of experience coming back that has a similar expectation. They had a taste of it. They know what it takes. And then we've added some really special new players. And um, our freshman class is fantastic. Top to bottom, it could be one of the best we've had. And that's saying a lot. And and it's kind of funny. They're all Utah kids, actually. Really? Seven of them graduated early and came and trained with us in January. So they were able to play 10 spring games. So that's And you went undefeated in spring. We did. And so I think, you know, Hmm. through our training, um, you know, Brent and Steve and I were like, wow, um, our training looks to be at a similar level as it was to last fall. And we, we noticed and experienced that even before we started playing. And then as we started playing, we're like, there's a lot of potential here to be a very, very good team again. Is that hard for you as a coach to see that? Because you're like, temper your expectations, yeah, temper your always. expectations. <laughs> it's like you have really high expectations, but then you're like, don't get ahead of yourself. Yeah, for sure. And so we will have the same expectations that we always do is to um, play a very hard non-conference game to prepare us to win the WCC. It's our last run in the WCC. We've had a lot of success there. Um, we want to go out as champions and then make a run in the NCAA. And I know this group with the experience and opportunities and that they had going to the Final Four, I know that that's something that they want to achieve next year. Oh, I'm so excited. And I'm so excited for you guys this last year in the WCC and then entering the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Um I was a I was a fan of soccer before I started sideline reporting mm-hmm. women's yeah. soccer, but man, my fandom has increased tenfold. <laughs> I just some of the most incredible athletes. You're one of the best coaches that I've ever seen, Thank and it's you. just such an incredible program. And I'm so excited for you guys. I don't know about you, but I feel like they need to rename the field <laughs> after you at some point. Well, I don't I don't know that that's something they do around here. We we'd like a new stadium at some point, yep. and not many programs have a 
have a problem of not having enough seats for their fans. So yeah. we hope someday, and I think maybe going into the Big 12 down the road, that that's something that might happen for the program. We do get such great support. And like you said, we do have such amazing young women that come and play and, and just give everything to the program and to, and to represent, you know, BYU and the church. And so they take a lot of pride in that. So they want to be their best. And to watch them interact with the kids, to be role models for the young generation is something that I really love at camps to see how excited those young girls are to meet them. And it's fun to see the freshmen practice their signatures. They've never signed autographs before. And, <laughs> and now they sign all the autographs. But yeah, I think big things are in store. You know, I don't know how much longer I'll be around. Uh, I, I take it kind of year to year. And it's been really fun these last few years. I have a, a fantastic staff and a lot of support and a really good group of girls right now. Our future looks good with the incoming recruiting classes down the road. So, mm. you know, we hope good things are in store. We hope, you know, get a good f- new field and uh, Southfield is special, though. There's nothing quite like it. It's, uh, it's the best atmosphere to play in, in the country. And uh, we'll have some big teams at Southfield next fall, this fall, I guess, in a couple weeks. And um, yeah, looking forward to it. Well, I love it so much. You truly are a legend. I'm here with BYU women's soccer head coach Jennifer Rockwood. Jen, thank you so much for taking the time and being here with me. Awesome. Appreciate you. Thanks. Jennifer Rockwood is incredible and honestly one of the first people that come to mind when I think of a pioneer of BYU athletics. A few more that I want to talk about are, of course, number one for football, Lavelle Edwards. You cannot talk about pioneers of BYU athletics without mentioning the man who had a stadium named after him. He put BYU football on the map. He won a national championship. He revolutionized the passing game. He stuck around when he could have left for a million other jobs. He was always loyal to the Cougars, and he was just loved by just about everyone around him, and he was an incredible leader. So I got to say, number one, Lavelle Edwards. Another guy along the football lines, Gary Scheide. He was the first real passing quarterback in Lavelle Edwards' era. You have Ty Detmer, who was the first Heisman Trophy winner, not only the first, but the only, if that doesn't scream pioneer, I don't know what else does. You have Luke Staley winning the Doak Walker Award, uh, Mo Elowanibi and Jason Buck, Outland Trophy winners, the only for BYU football so far. Moving on to basketball, first person that comes to mind for me, Danny Ainge. In 1981, he was selected as College Basketball Player of the Year by winning the Joe Lapchick Eastman and John Wooden Awards, and he was an incredible two-sport athlete. Elaine Michaels is another one that comes to mind when we think women's volleyball. She played volleyball, basketball, and softball at BYU. She was the director of women's intercollegiate athletics at BYU from 95 to 2004. And then the head coach for women's volleyball, women's basketball, women's field hockey, and softball. The woman has done it all. She's a true pioneer. Then you have on the men's volleyball side, Carl McGowan. He was the first official men's volleyball coach, led the team to two national titles and he is the one who truly turned BYU men's volleyball into a national powerhouse one more for me and we talked to her about her a little bit with Jen Rockwood Shauna Robach she played BYU women's soccer from 95 to 98 the all-time leader in goals scored with 94 and she's an Olympic bobsledder so thank you to every single one of the BYU athletic pioneers we're grateful for all you've done And that does it for us today. Thanks again to Jennifer Rockwood for coming on the show with me. You can join Cougar Tailgate every Saturday at noon Mountain Time or download, rate, and review our podcast 
on Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on BYUradio.org. This is Cougar Tailgate.